is the Enter Sad Men podcast. Every rock and metal album you should own. Reviewed, rated, and ranked. to Enter Sad Men, um, a very special episode of Enter Sad Men, if you don't mind, um, because we have a very special guest. She's smiling at me now, and therefore I'm happy. If she's happy, I'm happy. Um, my name's Steve. I'm here, as ever, with Richard and Mark, my buddies. Um, and yeah, we're not doing albums on this episode. We are talking to a very, very special guest. Um, we have heavy metal royalty in the house, no less. A lady who this year, or next year, or last year, I don't know when, but she celebrates 40 years in the rock industry and she's smiling at me as if to say, why did I bring up that number? But um, <laughs> oh no, it's just a number. It's just a number. Um, and yeah, if you've heard her, then you'll know who she is. I first saw her at Castle Donington 35 years ago on, on a very famous day. She'll remember it well. I remember it well. It was the first time I saw Warlock, therefore the first time I saw um, the Metal Queen herself. So it's my great pleasure Mark and Richard's great pleasure to say V-Gates to the Metal Queen. Doro Pesh, how are you? Oh, thank you so much for these kind words. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to keep busy and working <laughs> in the studio because all the touring plans and festivals, they fell through. I know, but, I know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm ready, you know, for when it's, you know, when we can rock again. So. Yeah, well, we've got so much to talk about because even even though you're, you, you're not supposed, you know, none of us are busy, but you've been busy. You did that drive-in concert. You did the brilliant magic. We must talk about Magic Diamonds, just the ultimate, the ultimate triple record that anyone should get. You're doing this re-release of Love Me in Black and, you know, we need to know when you're next coming to England. And that's not a question. That's an order. You will yes. come to England. <laughs> and, and, and we will. We will. It's uh, in October with Michael Schenker. So okay. October is England. And I think they're adding on even more dates. So, so we are definitely, we will be there. And if, if everything goes well, like in, in this crazy yes. time. Yes. So yeah, yeah, we, we, we will. We were so listen, so happy listen, to go back. Listen, we'll, we'll talk all of these things, but Donington, that was where you and I first met. I was about a mile away in the crowd, <laughs> me and a hundred thousand others. But be honest, be honest. How nervous, how excited. What, what, this was a massive gig for you, wasn't it? Yes. 
man, guys, we didn't even know that it was such a huge festival because back then, you know, there was no internet, no cell phones. So, so we knew it was an important festival, but we thought maybe five or 10,000 people. And then we <laughs> got there and then it was like 50, 60, 80,000 people. And, and, oh God, we were so excited. And I think, um, and the stage was so, like, it was so high up. And every step I took, I, I felt more and more like, my knees were like really like pudding. It was so <laughs> unbelievable. And then we started and I sang my first line, whatever it was, and then everything was okay. But before I always have so much stage fright. So that gig, that was so unbelievable. And, and I knew everything was on the line because people yeah. said, if you guys are doing good then you might get the Judas Priest tour. And Judas Priest was my favorite band at the time. And so it was like, it was a little bit in the making, but we had to definitely, you know, like deliver that day. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it was, oh, you smashed it. Yeah, you smashed it. Because yeah. we, we were there the year, Mark and I were there the year before and, and Magnum, Magnum opened. And Magnum were a great band, but... They're not a kind of festival opener band, but you were, because you rocked. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you did. You went on there and 100,000 Brits, 100,000 English fans just thought you were brilliant. Because I remember that. It was just a great day and you, you, you nailed it. It was a brilliant day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it felt so great. It felt so good. And I felt so, you know, I, I, I felt so connected to the fans, to the metalheads right away. And it was, it was one of the... the greatest days in my whole life i still really, remember still now. Yeah. yeah yeah and england you know england in the 80s it was so important because everything was like yeah the decisions were made in england like you know the record companies the journalists the agencies everything was so super important so um yeah that day did the opened doors and then uh, and a little bit later on we could yeah hop on tour with um judas priest and in england it was the tour with wasp, with wasp. and it was a great tour oh man and then i went to america for just three days it was a promotion tour two three days and after two days i knew i want to stay and then i stayed in new york and kind of everything fell into place. And then we did this album, Triumph and Agony. And yeah, and that was like the big, you know, the, the big breakthrough for us. And yeah, but, but Castle Donington, there was like, uh, it was a big, big, a big chance. And it was, wow. And, and we felt like a million bucks, you know, like the first oh, time, like yeah. in front of so many people. And we were a little, you know, a little band out of Germany, and it was uh, it was like mind blowing. Yeah. Well, you were because because Truer Steel hadn't even come out, had it? We don't. We only had Burning the Witches and Hellband, I think. Yes. Um, yeah, I think it you was were just promoting the new album, weren't you? Right. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was just coming out maybe a couple of weeks later. And yeah. it's very difficult to, you know, to play songs which nobody heard yet, yes. you know, and it's yeah. so much more work, you know, to get everybody excited. And yeah, and yeah, but but I think it, it went well. Oh, I have no complaints, yeah. And Lemmy was there as well. He took me in his arm before and he said, Dora, are you nervous? I said, oh, I'm so nervous. And he said, oh, you know, don't worry about it. They will all, you know, love you and, you know, and, you know, make me proud. And then he gave me a little kiss on my, you know, on my head and, you know, and gave me a little hug. God, That's really on. interesting because you've got you've got a picture of Lemmy. Was that the first time you'd met Lemmy? You've got a picture of Lemmy right behind you. I know you had a wonderful relationship with Lemmy, didn't you? It's interesting because yes. when you did Love Me Forever, the video of Love Me Forever, when you did it live, he gave you a kiss on your head then as well. I remember that. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, it wasn't the first time we met one time in England. Um I had to do a little showcase and it was for uh, Kerrang! magazine and everybody was there and I did a little sound check and I couldn't speak English. <laughs> <And> it was <laughs> like, and, and I did sound check with like these musicians I didn't know because the record company said just the singer will fly over. They don't want to spend any more money. So I went over, did a couple of songs and then I went, you know, I had some time to kill and I went into my first pub. And I walked in and Lemmy was there and he was like, you know, having a cigarette, yet like, <laughs> still like the old teeth, like the cigarette was like in his teeth. And, you know, he, he was smiling at me. He said, are you, are you daughter of Warlock? And I said, yeah. I said, you're Lemmy. He said, yeah. And then he gave me a big hug and then we were drinking some whiskey, smoking cigarettes. 
then after a couple of hours, let me said, hey, don't you have to do a gig? And I said, yeah, man, it's my showcase. <laughs> and he said, you, you better go, you know, it's late. So I walked out, I was completely wasted. And, you know, I didn't feel it while we were talking and stuff. And, but then when I went out outside, I thought, oh my God, I'm so drunk. I couldn't find the club anymore because everything <laughs> looked the same. It was raining, it was cold. But eventually I found the club and then you know the atmosphere was like a little you know like stiff because everybody was waiting and everybody was mad at me like i guess the record company people they were like fuming so i walked on stage and then the guys in that band they said are you ready i said yeah, yeah i'm ready i'm ready so we started and and in that second i thought I don't even remember one word. All the lyrics, they were gone, you know. I felt whiskey was going to my head so bad. And usually <laughs> I don't drink. And, you know, with Lemmy, you know, it was, it was 99% whiskey and one drop of Coca-Cola. Yeah, so yeah. so yeah. I was on stage and then I, I was waiting till the guys would stop, you know. I mean, they were playing instrumental. I didn't even sing. And I was sitting myself on the drum riser, you know, like my, my head in my hands. And then I was waiting till it's all over. And, and then I walked off the stage. It was a smaller stage and nobody was clapping. And, you know, I think maybe one guy like, you know, and I thought, oh. <laughs> And I thought, I want to go home. I know I ruined my life. And then some people came up to me and they said, you know, you ruined your career, right? And I said, yeah, but I'm friends with Lemmy Kirsten. Yeah. And then everybody started laughing, you know, and, and Lemmy was standing behind them, you know, and laughing as well. And then they turned around and, you know, and then Lemmy said, yeah, you know, we're friends. And, you know, we had a couple of drinks. And, and then I said, okay. Let's give that band a little chance. I mean, you were, you, were, you were friends with Lemmy forever and a day, weren't you? Up until up, up, the, the, the tribute to the Black Album. Remember the tribute to the Black Album that loads of you people did songs on? Because, of course, you put um, your version of Nothing Else Matters um, yeah. it's on Magic Diamonds. And the two standout songs on that album, which is yours, and Lemmy's Enter Sandman, which just is the, is the scariest Enter Sandman you'll ever hear, isn't mm -hmm. it? It's brilliant. <laughs> Yes, yes, and yeah, I just, uh, I just did uh, cover uh, another Motorhead song on David Ellison's record, oh, yeah. uh, the Megadeth uh, yeah. bass player, and it was um, of the Ace of Spades album, and Love Me Like a Reptile, and I tell you, you know, when I was like, like working on like the vocals and I thought oh man I felt right let me right there his spirit and stuff and you know and his attitude and it was it was so great when you dig deeper into something you know you you can learn even more feel even more and yeah but let me yeah let me and Ronnie James Dio they were my my closest you know my closest friends and I love them so much and I had the great honor to yeah to to get to meet them and tour together and play on festivals and yeah. you know monsters of rock and yeah and yeah and uh, and I just uh, I got a little present uh, two weeks ago it came actually to my mom's house and she said Doro are you expecting something there's a little package for you and I said no what is it and she said it's it's an uh, American LA address and she gave me the name you know it was Shelly and I said man I don't know if I if I know that person and then I opened it up and and it, it was the the bullet with Lemmy's ashes in oh and, no yeah wow, yeah beautiful and oh. yeah, and I tell you, I was like, it was, it was, I have it right here because I thought maybe you guys want to, want to see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's, I put it in the, can you see it? Wow. And, wow. Yeah. How touching. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that, wow. Yeah. I, I, oh man. Yeah. 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 I thought maybe I can make it in a little necklace but then I would be afraid that I would you know lose it and, and it's too sacred and yeah yeah so yeah that, that that it means so much to me you guys cannot even imagine I guess yeah yeah but I to no show it to you. yeah 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 so yeah I miss him every day and yeah and Ronnie the same. It's it's not the same anymore without them too. Yeah. I mean, many most... other great musicians are not anymore with us, but they meant definitely the most to and me. Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie's been gone some time now, hasn't he? He's been back to yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I was in New Jersey. I found out uh, we were actually recording something in the studio. And when I found out, I couldn't speak for two weeks. It was like so everybody was so, wow, so shocked. And it was the first time that somebody left, like, you know, somebody who, you know, who we all admired so much, you know, and that hit me so deep. And yeah, so, yeah. So Doro, can, can, can we, so you, you left Warlock, or kind of Warlock became Doro, just before Force Majeure, yeah? And did, yeah, did it you, wasn't my choice, Steve. No, I know, I know. Choice, yeah. But did you, think, did you think then that this is a new opportunity, this is a chance for me to become, do, do lots of different things? Because all your albums since, they've been so varied, so very, very different. Yeah. Is that, was that always the idea? No, I, I didn't plan anything. I thought, you know, I would, uh, I, I remember one time when I, I had this uh, manager, Alex Grove was his name. He was the American manager. I think I was like 22. I met him and I said, yeah, I want to make it big, you know, I want to, you know, go to America and stuff. And he was American, but uh, he had an American passport, but he was from Switzerland. So, you know, and because the whole band, we couldn't speak English that well. So, uh, and he said, okay, what are your plans and stuff? And I said, yeah, I want to make it big. I want to have some hit records, tour the world, tour especially the United States. And, you know, and then he said, okay. And I said, well, and then I will die anyhow when I'm 25. And he said, why is that? And then I said, well, because I'm so burned out and so exhausted already, you know, and I was chain smoking and stuff. And he said, that's such a stupid concept. He said, I'm 57, you can definitely live longer. And I, I couldn't imagine. I thought with 25, that would be it. So <laughs> that was my plan to make just like maybe two more records, tour, you know, the world. And that was it. And then he said, okay, you know what? I, um, I, I let you come to New York. We do a little promotion tour. And yeah, and then I was there for two, three, three days. And, you know, he said, okay, I will, um, I will check you guys out for one year. And then I will make a decision if I think you guys are worth it to, you know, to um, devote my time to you and my energy. And then I will decide if I will be the manager. And I thought, okay. And I said, man, I'm ready to do everything, whatever it takes, you know, like whatever you want, I will do it. I, you know, I'm here to do whatever it takes. And he said, okay, then give up smoking. I said, no, 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 I will do whatever it takes, but not giving up smoking because, you know, I, I love to smoke cigarettes and, but then I did. And yeah, and then I stayed in, in, in America and then we did this Triumph and Agony album. Yeah. I told you before that we are just working on the live album of Triumph and Agony. And yeah, and it should come out in September. And we luckily recorded everything, all the nice live shows one and a half years ago. It was like Sweden rock and grass pop and uh, Spain tour. So everything was still, you know, going strong. And now I'm just weeding through all the nice versions and you know and the video footage and uh, yeah and i think it, it's already it's, it's sounding great so but it we probably have to work two more months on it so yeah so we're getting a live album <laughs> yes live album yeah the triumph and agony this 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 one i don't know if you guys remember this yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, with like all we are and i rule the ruins and for immer and everything's so, on it yeah. and live oh it sounds so good when people are singing along it's like yeah it's it's yeah i think the studio version is great but life is always you know, so, Dora, you know more you energy know. So Dora, you know that sometimes when you wake up in the morning, there's a song in your head and you don't know why it's there. Yeah. There are two that I have quite often. One is Doris Day, K Sara Sara, no idea why. The other one is All We Are. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. all we are. Hey, that's so good. I think it has so much so much positive energy and 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 actually and when we uh, wrote it, it was in 87 yeah. it was pretty cool it was pretty cool but we would we didn't know if it would make the record because we had many songs and and then we had all our friends like you know people from the street we asked them if they would sing like the background you know the big chant and then everybody came up and i was sitting there with the engineer it was in new york in the power station studio and 
while all the people were singing, you could feel, man, that could be a little magical song. It could yeah. be the first single. And yeah, and, and, and then it was the first single and first big video. And it did so much. It did wonders. And I'll tell you what, that video rocks. Really the video rocks. was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then we went on tour and it was great. My tour in Europe was actually with the legendary Ronnie James Dio. And mm -hmm. oh, it was so awesome. And that's when I met Ronnie the first time and we became friends. Yeah. And then I did many, many more records. And then suddenly we had trouble with the name Warlock, which, yes. you know, you guys probably heard that story before from other bands and musicians. Yeah, suddenly uh, my former manager, we had actually a European manager and an American manager. And the European manager, he suddenly, he left when we did the deal tour. And uh, he just left and we never had like a talk. It was so weird, you know. And, and back then you couldn't find anybody because he went to Turkey. And, you know, and then suddenly we were doing the next record. Yeah, and suddenly, you know, we got like, letters of our lawyers and stuff and then we couldn't use the name warlock anymore and i thought ah we will do it you know you know we don't care we will do it but we we got in so much trouble and then we couldn't use the name warlock anymore and i thought okay we will name it doro for one year for one record and then of course we go back to warlock that was our plan and then that took 20 years to get the rights to the name back so yeah. So it was never my plan to do anything else. I, I would have loved to keep it as Warlock. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but then, you know, then I never thought I would live that long. <laughs> and, you know, when I told you 25 was it. So, and then every new year, there were like, you know, new experiences. And, you know, and then I thought, yeah, I want to do a new record. And then I went to Nashville for many years. And, uh, yeah, and then and now I think, we have 20 records out yeah. and, and many more DVDs and, uh, yeah. and all that good stuff. So, but every record I always thought it should be something special and something unique and something what people wouldn't expect, you know, and, mm -hmm. and some cool, you know, duets with people wouldn't expect. So, so I think it should be always, a, yeah, a, a different, you know, a different kind of sound, of course, always metal and rock, but like in, you know, like, like, yeah, like in a in a very interesting way to keep it interesting, and yeah, you know, and when you grow up, you have different views. Maybe you, you know, you learn more stuff. So sometimes, you know, it's like one time I wanted to do a little blues, and and Gene Simmons, he was uh, the Kiss uh, bassist. Since I was a big Kiss fan, that was a big deal for me when he produced one of our records. Oh, and then I, oh, yeah, man, I tell you. And then I showed him some ideas I had and I wrote my first blues. And he said, um, he said, do you know about blues? And I said, yeah, a little bit. And he said, okay, before you sing your first blues, you know, you have to check out all these records. And then next day he brought me like stacks of vinyl, you know, and CDs. And then we went uh, to see live concerts like Etta James and Dr. John. And then he said, okay, you really have to learn about it. And then you eventually can sing your first blues. And then two years later I did. So, so yeah, sometimes, you know, life is, is so interesting and yeah, so many, you know, cool when, um, people. You met Gary Scruggs as well, didn't you? And, and Gary, yes. That was, was national. Yeah, that was very bluesy. Yeah, yes. And he is the most sensitive uh, musician and songwriter. And, oh, man, we worked together for 16 years. And I mm. think we got the most awesome, like, really unique stuff, like Fall For Me Again or Fortune Teller or Even Angels Cry. And, and I just heard a nice podcast of this amazing bass player. And he was actually talking about the whole studio session. And, and it was so great to bring back all these memories. It was in 1991. And, you know, and it was, yeah, so many, many people influenced me and, you know, unconsciously. And, yeah, so. Who was, um, who would, so when you were, let's get, let's go right back to when Doro Pesh was at school in Dusseldorf when she was 50 when she was 15 years old and knew she wanted to be a rock singer who who were who were your heroes or heroines who, which bands were you listening to in the late 70s 
eine Late 70s, ja, Pink Floyd und uh, Led Zeppelin und um, my first uh, rock concert I've seen was uh, The Stones. Uh, okay. I was still in school and then my first rock uh, heavy metal concert was Whitesnake and it was so unbelievable. Second concert was Judas Priest and Accept uh, was like the support band and third concert was Ronnie James Dio and I tell you, I man, I, I, I'm so blessed I could see the best of the best and you know and, and, yeah, and then Maiden, Saxon yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah but in the very early uh, like when I was like seven, eight, nine years old uh, I was um, yeah growing up with all these great English bands like Sweet and T-Rex and Slate mm -hmm. and Susie Quadro and you know and yeah it was so awesome so I was definitely heavily in influenced by all these And great, you, great English musicians. And you knew you wanted to be a singer. You knew that's, that was the career for you. Yes. Yes, when I was three years old, I knew I wanted to be a singer. And I was actually inspired by Little Richard. Okay. There was one song which totally inspired me, and it was Lucille. And oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you sung it before? Have you put that on an album? No, no, never. I, I never even tried it because I think it is so... It is so great. I think it's untouchable almost. So I've, I've never tried it. And uh, yeah, but I always watch it. And yeah. you know, like <laughs> now, you know, when you get the internet and you can see him perform. Oh my God. And yeah. Now there's, there, there's so many sides to Dora. When, when, you, when you put an album out, there's the, there's the great rocker and you rock, you rock like anyone. But when you pour your heart and soul into your ballads, which you're famous for, your emotion, your passion, Do you love doing it all? I mean, when you're live, do you love doing sort of Für immer as much as, you know, any sort of Hellraiser or any of those sort of things? It's just, it's just, you love it all. <laughs> yes, yes, I love it all. I love it intense. I love it like extreme, you know, from extreme aggression and, you know, fast and heavy to super, super, super sensitive. And, you know, you can definitely, you know, touch people's heart and soul and it's so great and then when I see like you know sometimes people in the first row you can really you know see what's going on in their face or eyes and when I see people are crying without them noticing it when just like tears are falling out it's like you know when they're so touched oh that's so that's so amazing that's so amazing you know I mean you have done you've done so many wonderful ballads I must admit um and Of course, we're going to be, have to be talking about um, your re-releasing um, this year. Is that right? Um, yes, the Love Me in Black. Love Me in Black, which which yeah. is uh, yeah. the, the song itself is just stunning. I mean, do you still enjoy that? Oh, look at this. It's the first time in vinyl. It's double vinyl and it's white. It's, it's quite beautiful. It's quite. Oh, show beautiful. me, show us, show us. Wow. in there? And and there's some special versions on. And yeah. Ah, oh, fantastic. Um, Oh, cool. You see, Richard, Doro holds a record like I hold a record. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, people are so mad at me. Yeah, with, uh, with my fingers, like, touch that. It's so, it, it's not right. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh it's oh fine. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's not right. But, yeah. But uh, <laughs> since I have a couple of them vinyl things here, you know, I, yeah. But just, just to show you guys, and there's one side is edged. It's actually white on white. You can't really see it with the camera, but it's, uh, yeah, it's something for, you know, for the diehard fans. And I love vinyl. I think, I still think it sounds much, much better. And, Good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, just, yeah, you can't see it, but it's etched. It's etched. <laughs> Have you had it remastered, reproduced yes. as well? Yes, it's all remastered. And, uh, and two cool mixes are on there. They're so nice, They're really nice uh, from Love Me in Black and Terror Vision. And Ooh, I think one of our nicest records, totally different. But yeah, I think it has a lot of style and class. And on Love Me in Black, I mean, again, there's some really interesting influences coming through there. So almost electronica, sort of industrial. I mean, can yeah. you remember your other influences out at the time outside of metal when you were recording that? Uh, yes, actually, um, 
yeah, we did one record uh, in New Jersey. It was called Machine to Machine. And, mm. um, and actually Jack Ponty, he was the producer. He uh, wrote many songs and produced many bands. Like, you know, for example, uh, Alice Cooper, Loves a Loaded Gun. That was the song he did. And, and uh, we worked together on the album Angels Never Die. And then we started Machine to Machine. And it was a weird time. You know, it was when metal wasn't so so big anymore when grunge was taking over. Actually, I really saw it coming when I was in Nashville in 91, when a switch on the radio, suddenly there was only like, you know, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all that stuff. So metal was a little bit like, you know, having a hard time. So I did one record in New Jersey, like the second one with Jack Parney, and it was almost done. And we had all the songs and there were really killer rock songs, metal, it was cool. And we were starting to mix uh, this record. And then suddenly, you know, I felt, man, I don't know, it's not right. And then I went up to Jack and I said, hey, Jack, you know, I just want to talk to you for two minutes. He said, yeah, what is it? You know, record sounding great and it's coming out great. And I said, yeah, but I said, Jack, I think I don't like it. And he said, what do you mean? The budget is already gone. The record is done. And I said, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel it. And somehow it's strange. I feel, you know, I want to do something else. I want to do something different. And he said, oh my God, we are in, in big trouble. So he said, okay, let me think about it. And then a couple of days later, he said, hey, Dora, come uh, to the studio. I have some uh, two great guys from New York. They are coming. Um, their names were Camus and Andres. And they were in, in the studio. And then suddenly they said, okay, you know, how do you guys work? And usually I always work from an idea up, like the idea and melody, like the chorus and stuff. And they said, well, we work up from a great drum loop. And I said, oh, really? I said, oh, no, no not my cup of tea. And, you know, and then we started to try to work a little bit. I thought, ah, oh, this will not work out. So they were doing all kinds of like drum loops and, you know, and it was, it was totally different. And then I ran into the... Uh, I mean, there were a couple of rooms. I was sitting in the lobby and, and suddenly they had a drum loop and I thought, I love it. I love it. I ran in and I said, oh, you know, the engineer always gave me a little microphone to jam and Jack Ponty, he's a fantastic guitar player. He was, you know, picking up his guitar. So we were jamming and then we had our first song and it was called The What. And that was when it all started. And I said, Jack, that's what I want to do. So the whole record machine to machine, that was totally then different. I think one, two songs made it from our previous production. And it was all new. It was super exciting. I loved it so much. And then the next record was actually Love Me in Black. And I started to experiment more with that kind of stuff. And I met somebody, his name is uh, Jimmy Harry in New York. And we did awesome stuff together. Yeah, and then it was yeah, the follow-up of Machine to Machine. And I think it came out so awesome. And it was totally different, but I think it, it has so much class. And yeah, but it's, um, it was very hard to, to get used to when you are like a diehard metalhead. Oh, there was like, it was hard to, you know, to swallow, you know, that it's so different. But but I still love it. I still love it so much. And I think a song like Love Me in Black is still like, we always play it. I oh, still no, you love do. it, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's right up there with, with Kurt Immer, isn't it? As, as one you absolutely play yes. every time when you're live, which is... Uh, yeah. but, but what, why... So why do it on vinyl now? What, what, what was the reasoning behind this, this, this new white vinyl? What was, what was the thinking? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, a couple of years ago, um, I got so many records back, like so many rights of records back. And then I thought, well, I have now the whole back catalogue, like um, the Calling the Wild album and Fear No Evil and, and the classic Diamonds with orchestra. And yeah. then I thought maybe I want to start my own label to put out stuff, you know, like, you know, like unique stuff and to do like, you know, like picture this and cutouts and you know and shape vinyl vinyl and all that stuff and then and it's called a rare diamonds productions and then yeah then i can fiddle around with stuff besides a normal record we're still um, at nuclear blast for a new album but i can you know do little things and then i talk to uh, warner brothers if i can put it out as vinyl because it was never on vinyl. I think there's a bootleg version because one of our diehard Russian fans, he has a white vinyl, but it's bootleg. So, um, but it is the first official 
official yeah. double white vinyl. And I still love vinyl so much, like the sound, the feeling, the smell. I'm still a big oh, yeah. vinyl yeah. collector. <laughs> so, when, so when can we buy this then, Dora? When's it going to be uh, in the shop? Yeah, the 30th of April. So it's just around the corner, 30th of April, that's the release date. But I guess you can order it online or you know Amazon or all that stuff. I still like or prefer to go into real record stores, but now with the lockdown, you can't even buy anything. I mean, here in Germany and in America, I wouldn't even know where to buy yeah. a record anymore. So yeah. it's like, but England, like all the diehard fans, they still, they have like, yeah, the CDs, vinyl, uh, you know, it's, uh, they know what's good. Obviously, you know, I think one of the things that you're really well known for is constantly moving forward, moving the band forward, moving your horizons forward. But clearly with this, there is a bit of looking back as well. So I don't know whether you've, you've heard, um, Saxon did Heavy Metal Thunder, where they re-recorded a lot of their early stuff. Have you ever kind of looked back at Burning the Witches and Hellbound and thought, if that had better production, I wonder what it would sound like? Yeah, actually, yeah, I was thinking about it, but um, yeah, yeah, we haven't done it yet. Um, live, well, maybe you I don't want to. prefer live. So Triumph and Agony is the first time that we do an entire album live. And it was the first time that we did a little tour or some festivals where we played only this album and some highlights. But uh, yeah, but Burning the Witches would be awesome. Hellbound would be awesome. Yeah. True Steel, that was always a record which, you know, I think the demo sounded so much better. So that would be definitely worth it to, you know, to maybe redo it here and there. Just think you could put the right artwork on the cover then. <laughs> but but the original artwork, which was really awesome. It was a friend of ours. He painted it. It was exactly the same idea, but uh, the warlock looked like the warlock was supposed to look. It looked like, you know, it looked like here, this, this, this dude with the long, long gray hair <laughs> and thin, you know, like this thin old guy and like, you know, a magician. And then on the Burning the Witches, I know of uh, the, the mausoleum thing, it was like a fat guy with like no hair. And oh my God, and I would love to have the original artwork, but I think it doesn't exist anymore. We send oh. it to the record company, and we expected that that would be our album cover, of course. And then it came out totally different and it wasn't as nice. Uh, the original was really definitely much, much <laughs> nicer. You know, but what can you do, you know? And, and so, what, the first... so Dora, what, what was the problem then with, with Truer Steel? Was it because Michael Wagner, didn't he, he took the mix, didn't he, to, to California and kind of Americanized it for want of a better yeah. word? Is, and... Yeah, you know, as much as I love America, but I, I don't like it when it's more, you know, like, like radio friendly sound, like pop and uh, the record company, actually, they wanted to have it more commercial and we were a metal band, you know, and, and yeah. we didn't like the sound. It was too polished. It was too clean. It was thin. Yeah. Oh man. You know, all the aggression was, was not on, on the mix anymore. And yeah, it sounded very American radio friendly. Yeah. And that was, always uh, the big problem when you are with a big major record company of course you are under so much pressure that you sell millions of records you know and um yeah and then you know we're Hen henry henry called it mushy didn't he henry called it mushy like mushy as in it just he was really unhappy with it wasn't he yes 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 i think we had fist fights in the studio when we got the mix back <gasps> like that was the first time that our band that that i could feel that oh nobody was happy and uh, and the pressure was so so intense um and there were lots of problems and yeah and everybody was comparing our record sales to record sales with like pop artists like you know uh, you know it was it was uh, there was like a yeah you couldn't win you know we thought mm. you know it would sell great for our standards we were so happy it was so cool but you can't compare it like with the big pop acts and um yeah and then the first the first guys in the band they were like you know they were, they were not happy anymore one guy said oh you know i don't you know i don't want to do it so you know one guy just left because 
you know, out of frustration. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was hardcore. And then our guitar player, which we really loved, uh, his name was Rudy. He was yeah, our first rough. guitar player. He was great. He was great. And then suddenly somebody from our record company said, well, um, you guys uh, can continue, but you have to fire one guitar player. And we said, why is that? And my manager at the time, the guy who actually, uh, you know, went to Turkey, uh, he said, okay, I gave the record company my word. We have to fire one guitar player because one magazine wrote that Warlock doesn't have the best guitar players. And I thought, okay. And he said, well, if we don't fire a guitar player, I will leave. And, and back then to even get a manager, nobody even knew what a manager would do and stuff. So, um, yeah, so, so Rudy was, was gone. There were some other problems, but he was a good guy. He was a great player. Mm. And then we got somebody new. And that was the first time that I felt, wow, the whole chemistry in the band was getting different. Suddenly, you know, I felt, man, I can't, you know, I can't perform anymore like I was used to. It was all different. And then it got, it got really, yeah, it was like, wow. So true still, that was actually, and I couldn't sing my own lyrics anymore. They got que- tweaked and, oh man, and it was all like, you know, like, yeah, making it really nice for radio and we didn't care. And it was difficult. And that was the only time in my life that, you know, that we made some compromises. I thought I would never, ever do that again. Mm. So whatever you hear from True Steel on, you can be totally sure. I'm totally it's 100% behind you. it. You know, even when it sounds weird or when it sounds like different or like or stuff <laughs> like Fortune Teller or the Machine to Machine album or when people think, oh, that's different. But that was totally, I'm totally, yeah, I'm 100%, you know, behind it. But True Steel, oh man, it was tough. And I could feel it was somehow almost the end of the band because you know when you're young you know you know you're very you know very emotional you know and mm. it's like yeah yeah and we still uh, love it dora we still love the album the that's three of good. Us. i mean that's we do good. i mean so we've never heard your demos but we still we still think it's fantastic i tell you now when i listen to it it's actually um it's not anymore such a big difference but back then you know like you know, the little yeah. nuances, you know, between oh, yeah. really heavy metal or speed metal or death metal. It, it, it's, it's like it's sometimes a little nuance, but it makes a whole difference for, you know, for maybe just the guys in the band and, um, you know, and maybe other people, they don't even hear it. And yeah. It definitely, yeah. You, know, you, you could definitely tell it, it, it was definitely different to Hellbound. I mean, you, you could definitely yeah. you could tell that anyway, but it was still, it's a, listen, it's a fantastic piece of work. It's <laughs> oh, fantastic. good. I'm so glad you say that. I'm so glad you say that. So when you so last year I, I listened to um, Brick Wall, which I've seen, you know. But where's the album? It, it's got to be on an album, isn't it? When's when's that coming? Yeah, oh yeah, now like where it's difficult to get everybody together in one room in one studio. Um, I was in the states because I have the green card, but uh, you're not allowed anymore to travel like in the you know the the Schengen Raum. So yeah. the Europeans not anymore allowed to to fly over to the States. And I have an Italian guitar player. I have like two people who are living in the Netherlands. My drummer, Johnny D, he's American, but he lives now in Germany because he fell in love and he's so happy. And, you know, he has a little baby boy. So, uh, so it's hard to get everybody together in one room. And yeah. yeah, we have many songs already, you know, they're already great, but the recording is not, uh, yeah, it's probably, we have to wait a little bit. Yeah. So, so that's the reason why, yeah, it will probably be out next year. And okay, well, listen, we've got we've got "Love Me in Black" coming out soon, and we've still got we've still got fifty six tracks from um, Magic Diamond yeah. to get. Oh, so yeah, I, I, I have the vinyl edition as well here, just in case, just in really? case for people it's... who haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it started with like fifteen songs. I thought I want to put my my favorite 15 songs on and then it was 25 and 35 and 45 and now it's 56 and they're still not all all songs on there so maybe in the next five oh, years yeah. I do oh, there's loads missing but still i mean did you choose did you choose them all was it your all yeah. your idea yeah yeah and we reworked every song uh, or remixed or yeah. we recorded or definitely remastered and yeah and and people they like uh, it's like there are three um this and 
One is like all the heavy stuff, best of rock, best of ballads, and uh, the rare treasures. That's like, you know, stuff which people haven't heard before. And the fans, they, they used to like that the most because it's, it's unique and it's, you know. Oh, it is. Oh, I mean, Black, Black Rose still gives me goosebumps. I mean, it yeah. just gets me here, Black Rose. It really does. It's just a beautiful song. I mean, one of many beautiful songs you've done. You, you know them. But um, I've got, if I've got one issue, if I've got one issue with you, um, it's that you need to make um, Beyond the Trees. Beyond the Trees, why is it so short? Why can't it be five minutes like all good songs? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, Steve, I I am, I, 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 I we could play it five minutes long live, <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's a beautiful it, song. It's a wonderful it song. It is. It is. Oh, it's, yeah, I love it. I love it. And the lyrics, they're still as important. You know, like in, in 89, everybody thought the whole world would collapse and, you know, the trees were dying. And now it's, it's even worse. I, I can't, I can't, I can't believe it that, you know, the world, didn't you know didn't, didn't make any progress and it's like so it's the yeah beyond the trees it's like actually a song for nature yeah. and to yeah, preserve yeah. nature and yeah well, i guess i guess dora we should we should talk through these um these we've asked you to come up with top your top 10 favorite albums haven't we or something kind of yes similar. so you know we're excited we're excited to hear what um what albums you've always loved listening to as well Yes. Yeah, my uh, my top 10. Oh, God. Yeah, it's um, definitely Dio, Last in Line, was the Crimson Idol, Motorhead, Ace of Spades, um, Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, uh, Whitesnake, uh, Life in the Heart of the City, Metallica, Kill Em All, <laughs> and um, ah, what else did I say? British Steel, didn't you, down there? Yes, British Steel, Judas Priest, um, Venom and Leather of Saxon, and uh, Restless and Wild of Accept. Yeah. Why, yeah, that, why that one, Doro? Why that? You, you and Udo know each other very well. Obviously, you work together, but why yeah. Restless and Wild? I mean, I love Fast as a Shot. Just a great album, isn't it? Great it, album. Yes, yeah, fast as a shark, and it was so um, like like mean and heavy, and you know so much energy, and uh, and that was actually funny. Uh, my, I told you, uh, White Snake was my first live concert I've seen, and it was so unbelievable. And my second was Judas Priest, and I was the only one who had like a license, so I was driving everybody around. So we wanted to drive to that concert to see Judas Priest, and we walked in, and they were already playing, you know, and we were sitting or standing, you know, very much in the back, but it sounded great. And then I told yeah. my guitar player at the time, I said, wow, you know, this is awesome. I love Judas Priest, man. They're even better live than on record. And then he, he looked at me and said, that's not trees, that's the support band. And I thought, really? And they were great. And it was Accept. I didn't even know that Accept, you know, was a German band, but they were really great in the 80s. Oh man, yeah. it's oh, super. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Udo, Udo said he never had to cancel a concert, he, he, which is because of his voice. He says his voice never gave up. He always, he, he always carried on every concert. You'd have thought his voice would have packed in years ago. But um, it's just a phenomenal. You obviously know Udo very well. Yes, yeah. Actually, um, we always wanted to work together or do a duet. And I tell you, like the management and record companies, they would never let us. In the 80s, everybody was very protective of, of their own artists and band. Yeah. And then suddenly, um, it was in 2003, I was in, um, in, some, in Pennsylvania, in the middle of the woods, I had a little, uh, you know, a little motel and I was in a studio working on our fight album. And then I went back to the motel late at night and um, the girl on the reception, she said, somebody called for you and um, like with an accent and it was a man. And I thought, really? Yeah. And, you know, and then he gave me um, like a number and the name. And I thought, wow, it's Dee Snyder. And she said, yeah, it was similar, Dee Snyder. And I thought, Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. And then I called that number and it was Udo Dirk Schneider. And, you know, and that was the first time that we talked. And Udo said, yeah, I want to do my first uh, ballad. Would you be interested in doing a duet? And I thought, yes, you know, great. And that was the first time that we could actually get together. We were both on an independent label. 
and uh, and yeah, the times changed, you know. So yeah, 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 and that was the first time you had all the freedom, you know. And then we did our first duet, and then I asked him if he could sing a duet with me too. That was on my first album with orchestra. That was called Classic Diamonds, and we did a nice version of Breaking the Law. It's an orchestra version, but I think it came out so great, and we did a duet on that. And we did many, many more songs yeah, together. Yeah. And yeah. and he always came to my anniversary shows, and I went to his anniversary shows and yeah we did lots of stuff together and toured yeah, Russia for the yeah. first time together so Fantastic. many great experiences mm -hmm. yeah yeah now so, so why so why you could have picked any white snake album but you've gone for live album oh, yeah, just, just to remind you of when you saw them sometimes on the atmosphere it's it's you know it's like 10 times better than a oh, normal yeah. studio record you know the vibes are you know like totally awesome and you know and I love people I love the energy and um and when he sings like um ain't no love in the heart of the city or oh, it's like wow I'm melting away or mistreated oh my god so yeah so that's why I picked the live album I love like stuff um I always love that song don't break my heart again that's yeah. the reason why I put it on our last um. Uh, official release, The Forever Boys, Forever United. Um, that was the first time that I did a double album. And then I thought, okay, the record company says, yeah, go for it, you know, do a double album, whatever you like. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to put my favorite songs on. And then Don't Break My Heart Again was my favorite song of Whitesnake. And I tried it. And I'm hoping that David Coverdale loves that version. I haven't played it uh, okay. for him yet. So, yeah, I, I love yeah, it. Of course you will. Sax Saxon's Denim and Leather. You you worked with Biff. You did a song with Biff as well, didn't you? Yes, yeah, and we did many, many um, festivals and Wacken, and we always invited each other. And I did many, um, many gigs in the UK, and I went to their anniversaries, and they came to my anniversaries. And yeah, yeah, we are great friends. And I was always a big, um, I was, yeah, Biff was a big inspiration for me. I think. Yeah. You know, for me, it was the same level like Iron Maiden or Judas Priest. Saxon was always top notch. And, you know, the songs, I think they had like so awesome songs like there is 1 p.m. or Denim and Leather or Let the Band Play On. It's just like oh, all, all these great phenomenal songs. I Yeah, and I'm a big lover of real songs and the melodies. And yeah, and I think Biff, he's such an awesome front person and yes. singer and yeah. you know yeah yeah I, I yeah I love Saxon yes yes no. I love all the other bands too but Saxon he was they were definitely <laughs> a big influence yeah yeah now the, the you're interesting the Wasp choice is really interesting Doro just because you know I'm a massive Wasp fan I love Wasp oh. and The Last Command I mean they would be my two I just adore those two albums absolutely love those I'd love The Crimson Idol but it's funny why you've chosen that rather than Wasp or The Last Command? Man, it's very close. It, yeah. It's very close. You know, sometimes, yeah, yeah, I, I think it, it, it has so much feeling. Oh, man, it's, yeah, it feels so good. There are a couple of songs on the, uh, the album. I have it right here. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm prepared. Yeah, well yeah. done. No, well done. No, no, no. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Oh, hold on to my heart and misconception of me. Um, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. These oh, two. Right, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh my God. Isn't, isn't that great? Isn't that great? But uh, yeah. But I love all the other Wasp albums and and my first UK tour that was inside the Electric Circus. Mm -hmm. That was great. Yeah. And uh, and he was so nice to me, Blackie Lawless. He was. Uh, he. He almost saved my life because I came from uh, uh, from Scandinavia and we did this big, awesome tour with Judas Priest and I was always watching the sound check of Judas Priest. And when we toured in Scandinavia, we played these big ice hockey, these big ice hockey venues. And uh, the road crew always said, well, you little girl, you better not walk on the ice. You might get sick. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm strong as steel. You know, it's okay. I want to see the sound check. So I was hanging out there. And yeah, and then one day later, we went to England starting the Wasp tour. And I was sick. I, I probably had pneumonia. I was like, oh, my God. And I was, um, and the club tour was like different because we didn't have a, our own dressing room. And sometimes, you know, the clubs are great, but, you know, they don't have like, it was not like these big venues, you know, like, you know, and then he, uh, he 
came up the stairs and he said, are you the support band? Are you Doro, the singer? I said, yeah. He said, man, you look very sick. And I said, I'm so sick, man. I feel I'm dying. He said, oh, you know what? Come with me. And then I went to his dressing room and he told the guys in the band, he said, you know what? Let, let's give Doro a little rest and stuff. And then he said, Doro, you can lay on the couch, just rest. And then he brought me all these fruit juices and medicine and stuff and magic potions. And then he said, well, you know, take this, take that. And, you know, and I did. And then a couple of hours later, he woke me up. And he said, okay, ready to rock. And I felt like a million bucks. And he, he saved our tour. And yeah, he was so nice to me. I, I never forget that. And um, yeah. That was a great tour. That we saw we saw that at Hammersmith Odeon with you and Wasp. Yeah. yeah, brilliant, great night. Great yeah, night. I just did a couple of uh, gigs with Saxon actually. Uh, yeah, one and a half years ago or two years ago, and we played exactly the same venues. And okay. I thought, man, that reminds me on '86. That's so yeah. awesome that I have the chance to relive yeah. everything. And oh yeah, yeah. Happy days, happy. And now listen, yes. we need to um, we need to review three of your favorite albums for one of our future shows coming up but and you gave us ace of spades the last in line and the crimson idol to review now there's a problem um in that we've already done ace of spades we've reviewed ace of spades <laughs> before so you're gonna have to pick can you pick us one from from your top 10 that we've not done before rich richard knows which ones they are yeah, we've know. got so we've yeah we've already done british steel kill em all and ace of spades <laughs> So that means you'd have to choose between. So you're already doing the. We're doing the Crimson Idol. We're doing the Last in Line. Yeah. So would you like us to also to do? We could do Restless and Wild, or Wish You Were Here, Live in the Heart of the City, or Denim and Leather. Oh, you know what? Because I I love Saxon so much, and I think they are underrated. And yeah. Let's do Denim and Leather by Saxon. Yeah. 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 yeah, we think so too. That's great. Yeah. great. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> so you've probably been asked this question before, uh, but, but so these are your 10 albums you'll take away to a desert island. Yeah, oh, there are many more, but <laughs> on the top of my head, I thought, yeah, just 10. If, if you could only take one of them, which oh. one would it be and why? Oh, okay, and I would say... Yeah, the one we talked about, White Snake in the heart of the city, because it's so, it's so soulful and the atmosphere, and and then I have it all: the fans, you know, the songs, you know, David Coverdale's vocals. So yeah, I would, I would take and, the yeah. White Snake one. And yeah, the, and that, yeah, that reminder of playing live, which is your, which is where you always just want to be. Yes, yeah, yeah, we are, oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm always going jogging and working out every day so that I can be ready to rock, you know, when, when we are allowed to, you know, to, to rock again. And yeah, we can't wait, we can't wait to see you. Now you'll definitely come to the UK, won't you, when you're next, um, when you're next touring? Yes, yes, in October, in October with Michael Schenker. So that's, you know, when Great. everything, you know, will be okay, like, the COVID situation, nobody knows, you know, sometimes it changes every day yeah. and um, yeah, but yeah, October, that's the plan and I'm super excited. Well, and Michael Schenker, that was another um, a great experience in, um, in Germany, the Monster of Rock Festivals, actually they were with MSG and yeah. in, in um, Castle in England was Motorhead. So, so MSG was my first time, you know, in front of like, you know, 50, 60,000 people and Michael Schenker was, you know, such a god on guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we have one more Desert Island question for you as well. So back to the, yeah, just the, that massive range of, of music that you've produced over the years. Could you, would, it, would you be able to select one of your own albums? If, there was, if it was just one of your own albums that you would take to a Desert Island, what would that be and why? Oh, because we talked about Nashville and about Gary Scruggs before, I would say the true at heart. Yeah. Because I think it has so much, like, you know, so much great, so many great musicians, so many great songs. It's so unique, you know, 
Fortune Teller is such a great story and um, it's so soulful. So, so yeah, I would say true it hard. And yeah, like, you know, I'm always, I'm, it's always depending on my mood. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you feel you just want to hear only, you know, burning the witches and stuff and like in the heavy. And sometimes, wanna, you know, you want to feel something. So, so yeah, tonight I would say true it hard. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Dora, that's, that's, um, that's brilliant. We've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you've enjoyed meeting us. We've certainly enjoyed meeting you and it's, um, you just, your, your enthusiasm is just so, so lovely. And to know that, you know, there's so much work to come. You were never going to die at 25. You've got too much to give. You've got too much to give. Um, We look forward to so much more Doro music in the years to come. Thank you so much. With such great company. So nice gentlemen and and music lovers like you guys you know it made me very happy that you that you guys invited me to be you know with you tonight it's awesome thanks very much indeed the the honor the honor is all ours and um yeah we look forward to hopefully we'll speak again in the future one day who knows yes yes thank you so much thank you so much and yeah thank you for having me yeah see you on tour hopefully in october with michael schenka and uh yeah we 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 will, we will, we will knock him dead. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, Doro. Thank all, you so much. All the best. Nice to be with you. All the very best. Stay healthy and stay metal and uh, power on. <laughs> yeah, you got it. We will. We will. Thanks, Doro. <laughs> Thank you. All music clips featured in the Enter Sad Men podcast appear within the context of criticism and or commentary, and as such are used under the fair use provisions of the exceptions to copyright rules of UK and international copyright law. To make sure the rock rolls forever on, Mark, Steve, and Rich urge all their listeners to show their love and support for the artists and writers featured on the show by purchasing the original music or subscribing to a licensed and regulated streaming service.